right, well, good morning, everyone. Um, as Josh said, my name is Justin. For those of you that I have not met yet, um, I hope we get to meet at some point during this class. Thanks so much for coming out to our Mobilize kickoff. Um, it's so great to see so many of you here at 9.05 a.m. Um, so as we've talked about, we are in a Mobilize class. Now, yes, this is kind of a fancy Sunday school, but there's a reason why we call it Mobilize. Our mission at Trinity Community Church is to make and mobilize disciples of Jesus Christ. And the mobilization part is our equipping for the mission that God has given us to share the gospel, to preach the gospel. So our class is going to be a practical way that we can apply some truths and hopefully apply that to our lives so that we can carry out the mission that God has given to us. So with that, Let's pray real quick, and then we will dive in. God, we thank you so much for your grace. We thank you so much for bringing us together this morning. We thank you for bringing together Trinity Community Church. Lord, we want to learn just a few things today, so I pray that you would help, help us to learn, help me to speak clearly. And Lord, I pray that you would prepare us to engage in difficult conversations. I pray that you would equip us to answer difficult questions so that all people around us might know that Jesus is king and that you must be worshiped. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So how many of you ever faced a difficult question in your life? How many of you have ever maybe doubted your faith? You've asked yourself difficult questions about what you believe as a Christian. How many of you have had a friend or a child or a family member come to you with a question that's extremely difficult to answer. We've probably all been there, right? There's times when people ask us questions about our faith, about what we believe, and they're difficult questions to answer. And sometimes, even when we answer the first question, like you see in this picture, the next step we take, we're faced with another question, or maybe another four or five questions. Well, this mobilized class is all about asking difficult questions and together coming up with ways to answer those questions. Now, Josh showed, um, he gave out a book. I just want to talk about the book really quickly because this is what we're going to be launching from. We want in this class to confront Christianity. Now, it seems like an odd thing to do as Christians, right, to confront our own faith. But we want to take this time to ask ourselves difficult questions so that when we are at work, when we're with family over Thanksgiving, when we're with our friends just hanging out, when those difficult questions come up, we want to be equipped to have good answers for those people so that we can defend the gospel, so that we can defend what we believe. Now, we're launching from a book called Confronting Christianity. Now, this book, if you don't have it, if you didn't win it, I would highly recommend investing in this book. Um, you can get it for probably about 15 bucks off of Amazon. Um, it's by an author named Rebecca McLaughlin. Um, she has done lots of, uh, lots of thinking and writing in this space of defending the faith. Um, and it's a very accessible book. So it's not too high level. It's not too apologetics-y. Um, but it's going to engage you where you are. So I would highly invest in, um, I would highly recommend investing in this book called Confronting Christianity. So with that in mind, why are we confronting Christianity? That's the, the main question I want to start off with. Take a five minutes to talk about this class, where we're headed, and then we're going to dive into our first question. So why are we confronting Christianity? Well, first, we want to strengthen our faith, right? 
there are those of us here that maybe have some questions about what the Bible teaches. And maybe you're even here and you're beginning to doubt a little bit um, because maybe you've been asked a difficult question by someone at work. Maybe your family member is challenging you on some of these difficult things and you're beginning to doubt a little bit. Um, you're wondering what is the actual truth? What are the answers to these questions? Well, I hope this class is a way to strengthen and more deeply root your faith in the Bible and Christianity and what Jesus Christ has taught us. So that's the first objective of this class is to strengthen our faith. The second one, to prepare for difficult questions. Like we said, there's going to be times when we're faced with difficult questions. This class is to prepare us for those times. And I want to challenge you all to think through um, those difficult conversations that we sometimes get drawn into. They're not always the most fun conversations, right? Sometimes we want to shy away from conversations like that. But when we look at what Christ has done, he was consistently engaging in difficult conversations. We want to engage in these difficult conversations because these are the times where we get to share the truth of the gospel. Without engaging in difficult conversations like this, we may not actually be teaching others the gospel, preaching the gospel. So this is to prepare for difficult questions, and it's a slight nudge to say these are conversations that we should be regularly engaging in. Now, what this class isn't. I want to set kind of some parameters and some boundaries for what we're going to be covering in this class. What this class isn't. This class is not an evangelism class. So evangelism, we often think, okay, how do we kind of enter these conversations with people? How do we go through the, the ABCs of the gospel? We're going to cover some of those things, but this is not meant to be a full guide of evangelism. All right, This is going to be more focused on particular questions that confront Christianity and how we answer those questions. And that should be something that's going to aid us as we practice evangelism. This class is not an answer to every question you've ever had. So there's going to be some really difficult um, things that come up. For example, we're going to talk a little bit about Christianity and science. That's going to be a few weeks from now. There's lots of questions that come from Christianity and science. How do the Bible and science work together? We're going to touch on some of those things but it's not going to be a full-fledged exposition on everything that Christians believe about science, all right? So it's not, I just want to make sure we're all clear. I will not answer every question you've ever had, um, maybe someday. But um, what this class is, um, this class is a guide for navigating difficult questions. Made that very clear up front, hopefully. Um, and the last thing, this class is a dialogue. So um, unlike preaching, uh, I'm hoping that I'm not the only one that speaks up uh, over the next 30 minutes or so. Um, I'm going to try to engage you all in dialogue because I believe that we have, I don't know, 30, 40 people in this room. Um, you all are smart people, um, and you've probably thought through some of these things on your own. Um, and so I'm going to ask you some. I'm going to ask you some questions. I might, and I know this is probably going to be uncomfortable at 9:15 in the morning. I might ask you to engage your neighbor whether that's your spouse or the person you don't know next to you, whoever it is, to talk through some of these questions so that we can open it up for the group and hear what other people have to say. Um, so I do hope this class is a dialogue. With that said, let's dive into our first question. How can you say there's only one true faith? How can you say that there's only one true faith? 
Now, you know that we as Christians believe that the way to God is through Jesus Christ, and that is the only way. We believe that the Bible is God's word and that the Bible holds truth. We believe that Christianity is the only way, is the only true faith. That doesn't mean that all faiths don't get a few things right here and there, but as far as ultimate truth, we believe that Christianity is the true faith. But the way I want to answer this question is not so much by sitting up here and lecturing you all on different philosophical arguments for Christianity, but I want to introduce you to a friend. My friend's name is Christy. Now, Christy, as you can see, is kind of a stick person, um, but she's a believer. She believes that Jesus Christ is king, is the savior of the world. And Christy, like you and I, she attends a church, but she's faced with difficult conversations. In her workplace, she engages sometimes in conversations about faith, about what other people believe. And she's open to having those dialogues. See, Christy understands that while she respects other people, to have a conversation with someone, to disagree with someone, to encourage someone to consider something other than what they believe currently, that's not disrespect. That's respecting somebody else's, some, somebody else as a person and encouraging them to consider other ways of believing. She, she enjoys engaging in dialogue and she respects other people. It doesn't mean she agrees with everything they say, but she respects them enough to engage and challenge what they believe. One fun fact about Christy, she only has three fingers on each hand, as you can see. <laughs> so that's Christy, but Christy has a friend. A, a Bills fan. She's definitely a Bills fan. Um, for, all the, for all of you who don't know, I'm a Buffalo Bills fan. Um, that's all I'll say about that. Um, we are four and one right now. Um, all right, Christy has a friend. Um, Christy's friend's name is Sam. Now, Sam's a little bit different than Christy. Sam is someone whose kind of philosophy about faith and about life is live and let live. I'm going to live the way I see fit. I'm going to pursue joy and happiness. And I'm not going to get in the way of other people. I'm going to let other people live their lives no matter how they believe. He doesn't necessarily hate religion. Um, he doesn't say that all religion is bad, but he's going to live the way he's going to live, and he's going to let other people live the way they want to live and not challenge them um, on different faiths or things like that. Um, that's where Sam is coming from. Sam's someone who has traveled the world, and he's seen people from all different kinds of faiths, and he's seen how, you know, there's some people out there that seem like they're good people. They might believe Buddhism. They might believe Hinduism. Maybe they're Catholic. Maybe they're agnostic. There's lots of people out there that seem to be like pretty friendly people. So why, is it, why do we have to elevate one faith over another? That's where Sam's coming from. So Christy and Sam begin engaging in conversation. They work together. And Sam asks Christy this question. Christy, I've seen all different kinds of faiths, all different kinds of people. How can you say that there's only one true faith? It just seems to me that there's lots of good people out there that believe lots of different things. And then he tells Christy this story. He says, Christy, it's kind of like this. Think of an elephant. One day there was an elephant, and there were six 
blind men that came up to the elephant. Now, each blind man was able to touch a different part of the elephant. One felt its, tr its leg, but it didn't, they, he didn't know it was an elephant. He just felt this leg and he said, it feels a little bit like a tree. It's wide, it's rough, it kind of feels like bark. It's like a tree. Another, um, another blind man goes to the elephant's trunk, feels the trunk and says, this feels a little bit like a snake. It seems like it might slither around. Another one feels the tail and says, this feels more like a rope. And these blind men feel the elephant in different places and they all say that it seems like it's something that it's not. And then there's one person who's narrating this, who can see all of these things. And he says, you all got an element of something of that elephant. Um, you know, you know that the leg feels a little bit like a tree. The trunk seems a little bit like a snake. They're all things that are kind of like that. But as the narrator, as the one looking at these blind men, um, uh, look, kind of touching the elephant, trying to figure out what it is, I can see what it actually is. It's an elephant. And what Sam says is, you know, this kind of explains what faith is like, right? There's lots of different faiths. There's lots of different people kind of searching for what's true. And they all maybe get elements that are kind of on the right path. But really, they're all just kind of putting the pieces together. Really, all these different parts lead up to one overarching truth. So they're all true in some ways, but they lead up to one truth. They all have parts of the truth, but none of them are completely true. They all lead up to one big truth, and that's the elephant. So what would you say to Sam? Sam takes this idea of each faith has a different part of the truth. All these truths... Um, are representative of one ultimate reality out there? What would you say to Sam? Oh, Jesus is that elephant. Jesus is the elephant. That, you should write a book called that. Jesus is the elephant. <laughs> Jesus is the elephant. Yes, Colin? I'd say, let me do not lying. Let me do peace. Mm. How can everyone else do <clears throat> You know, that's a great, that is a great point, Colleen. Because I'm saying, wait a minute, Sam. Are you saying that you're like the sighted narrator and everyone else is like the blind man? See, here's the problem with this. When people start to say that, when they take this view of, let's, let, I'm going to take a step back and I see all the different parts that lead up to truth, they're saying that you all are blind. You all who are Hindus, you all who are Christians, you all who are Buddhists, you're the blind people searching around in the dark. Me, as the one who sees how all these things come together, I'm not blind. I, I can see everything. It so, almost sounds a bit patronizing, right? The narrator is saying, there, there. That's, that's cute. That's cute that you think it's a snake. That's cute that you think it's a tree. But I can see that ultimately all of these things are different parts, and I see the whole picture. But you all who are believers of a certain faith, you're only getting part of the picture. Now, as we've said, this, this viewpoint, that... I think a lot of people in our culture probably hold that different faiths represent different parts of truth. Um, but they're taking the spot of the narrator, acting as if they can see the entire picture. And this sounds a lot like something called pluralism. Yes, Elizabeth? But he still believes in the truth. He so still... He says the truth is it's an elephant. Yeah, right. he, he believes in some kind of ultimate reality, right? Um, but he's saying his, his view of that reality 
is bigger than everyone else that subscribes to a specific religion or a specific faith, a specific worldview. So this sounds a lot like something called pluralism to me. Now, uh, I'm going to make a caveat here. I'm not trying to dive into too many kind of big terms, but I think this is one that's helpful because I think it's very representative of what our culture holds to. So what is pluralism? Uh, I'm going to read a quote here. We're going to talk about it a little bit. I don't yank this cord out. What is pluralism? Uh, pluralism is the view that there is more than one valid religion. There's an ultimate reality, but no single religion has a monopoly on the truth about that reality. Each religion represents a different but legitimate perspective on it. Each religion has a distinctive understanding of God, truth, enlightenment, salvation, and so on, and they are all valid. In the same way, pluralism insists that no single religion holds a monopoly on how we are to be saved. As an ancient saying puts it, there are many paths up the mountain. So another picture of this, um, he mentions the mountain. This is from James Anderson in the book, What's Your Worldview? He's picturing a mountain, and just imagine there's different paths up that mountain, but it all ends up in the same place. Different religions, different beliefs, but they all end up in the same place. That's the crux of this pluralistic thinking. Pluralism says there's an ultimate reality. There is truth out there. There is some overarching um, truth to be had. But no single religion has a monopoly on that truth. They all kind of bring their part of the truth to, to um, the, the big picture. Each religion represents a legitimate perspective. Okay, so um, while somebody might say there's, there's bits and pieces that are, are better than others, every religion is holding something that we should all consider to be legitimate. All something that, that is, is relevant to that ultimate reality. And ultimately, all religions are valid. Um, that would be, that would be the, the teaching of pluralism. And that's what Sam is holding. Now, um, what do you guys think about? Have, have, has anyone ever encountered thinking like this? Um, is this something, Brian? Yeah, and I think it's interesting that what in this analogy, each of the blind men is saying, this isn't an elephant. They're saying it's a trunk of a tree. It's a snake. It's a rope. And pluralism is trying to put words in their mouth and saying, actually, you're okay because you're just, all you see is the trunk, but, yeah. but and like, no, this is just the trunk of a tree, we right. swear. Yeah. And, and so they're all wrong. Like, yeah. It's not a tree, it's not a snake, and it's not a rope. Right. Yeah. And pluralism is trying to say, oh, yeah, that's cute, you all. <laughs> yeah. And they're like, no, this is absolutely not what we right. believe. So yeah. It doesn't let them believe what they say they're believing. Yeah, that's that's a great point. We're going we're gonna to talk about that a little bit. But pluralism ultimately says, Oh, that's cool that you believe that, but really it's not right. Um, I'm not going to let you believe that because everything has to be right. Yeah. Um, any, anyone, anyone ever encounter, anyone have a conversation about this at work or anything like that? Um, <coughs> does this, is this something that you all recognize even when you're watching TV, um, you know, maybe reading? Is this something that you're familiar with, this pluralistic thinking? Yes, Elizabeth? Yes, um, but if it's, Right, right. So every, everything else is fine except for the Christian belief. Yeah, it's an interesting thing. Sometimes there are certain particular beliefs that the pluralistic ideology suppresses. Um, 
Um, and we're going to talk a little bit about, about some of those things, so I don't want to get into that too much. But it, it's a good point. Sometimes those things are suppressed and say, no, we're going to write the rules about what you can and can't believe. Um, all right, so that's, that's um, uh, what pluralism is. Um, in a nutshell, rather than saying there's one true faith, pluralism says there are many true faiths. So Christy, being the astute believer that she is, is going to ask Sam a question. Um, she asked, Sam, why do you believe there are many true faiths? Um, if, there, if you believe that there are many religions, why do you believe that? And I think it's really important for us to uh, remember that as we're engaging in conversations with people, we're talking to people. We're not talking to uh, books. We're not talking to philosophical arguments. We're talking to people that have been shaped by various experiences all throughout their life. And so it's important for us to ask questions about why people believe the way that they do. It helps get to the root of that belief so that we can begin speaking to where that belief has come from. So Christy asked Sam, why do you believe there are many true faiths? And I'm going to ask you all that question. If you were engaging in conversation with someone that would um, adhere to that pluralistic ideology that there are many religions, uh, many valid perspectives, why do you think they might believe that way? It has a perception of being more loving because it's mm -hmm. inclusive. Yeah, yep, that's a really good point. Yes? Ten years ago, I had a conversation with my mother-in-law, who at that time was kind of serious, and haven't spoken to her much about it since then. But what I learned was when she came to realize what I was saying about the true gospel is, yeah. what about all the lost ones that are lost? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that makes a that makes a lot of sense, and and we hear that, and we see. I can I can see where somebody might be coming from. There's some difficult things yeah. there, um, like Josh said. It 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 often is perceived as more loving to be more accepting of all different viewpoints and all different kinds of religion. How many of you have ever seen this bumper sticker? Yep, yeah, all the time. Um, I think I think this. Uh, kind of sums up things pretty well where it's it's the word coexist but it's made up of different symbols from different religions and the point is that we all bring varying viewpoints and varying religious perspectives to the table but we're called to coexist with each other now um, the thing with with the with coexisting is coexisting in and of itself is a good thing, right? We should be able to live peaceably with all people. That's a universally accepted value. Uh, I mean, for the most part, something that we would all say is true. Um, the problem is our view of coexistence. Does coexistence mean that I have to um, completely accept every everything that somebody believes? that I have to say all different viewpoints, all different religions are equal, are, are all equally truthful and valid. I don't think we have to say that in order to coexist with other people. Sorry, I might be getting ahead of myself a little bit. Um, yeah, so why does Sam treasure tolerance? This is, this is what, um, tolerance is a word that I, I kind of put on there. It's, it's a very tolerant viewpoint. Question? No, just, you just ask the question. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Jump in. <laughs> well, 
what I heard, how people say, how come, when they ask me, how come you think you're right and the rest of the world is wrong? How come the rest of the world has to go to hell and mm-hmm. you're the only one that's right? Yeah. So that's a kind of way that they put it to me. Yeah. 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 And, th- and that's a good question. We're going to speak to a, a little bit of how can, how, you know, what kind of the what gives you the right sort of thing. Um, I think that's, that's the question. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I, I think two things that really play into this uh, tolerant um, landscape that we live in, uh, where we, we, we kind of fully accept everything and to say that anything is wrong um, or is not as, as good as something else, that it doesn't have the same kind of value as something else. That's the kind of the cardinal sin uh, of our culture, right? Um, the ultimate, it's, it's the ultimate virtue of our age. Um, it, it is highly accepted that we should be tolerant across the board um, of different beliefs, different religions, and different points of view. Um, and I think, too, there's a genuine, a genuine desire to coexist. So there's an element there, one second, there's an element there, um, you know, uh, we're all made in the image of God. Um, there's this thing called common grace that says God's grace is working in, in all of humanity. And there's certain good people are capable of doing good things, right? People are capable of coexisting. That's a good value to be able to live at peace with other people. Um, that, that's a good thing. However, it gets twisted when we say that the only way we can do that is to uniformly accept all, all different beliefs um, equally. Heidi, were you going to say something? Yeah, I'm just sitting here thinking, isn't the first question, though, that we should be asking to Sam, uh, how does Sam define tolerance? Um, Because when I was growing up in elementary school and we were learning our vocabulary, tolerance was defined then as something very different from Mm -hmm. the way our society um, seems to want to define it now. And Mm -hmm. tolerance seems now to be equivalent to, in Sam's view, tolerance is probably endorsement. Yeah. As opposed to tolerance. Mm-hmm. And as Christians, we also, you know, love everybody. We, as Americans, tolerate everybody's right to believe what they want, to mm-hmm. worship in the way that they want, but it's not, but we don't use that word the same way yeah. that society uses. Yeah, that's a really great distinction. Um, you know, we, we do tolerate. We as at Trinity Community Church, we tolerate other beliefs in that we allow, you know, we allow people to practice religious freedom in America, right? Uh, people are allowed to, to worship freely. Um, and that's one of the, you know, we would say, and it, a big reason people move to America. Um, but yeah, that's a great question to say. When you say tolerance, what do you actually mean? Do you mean just um, accept, uh, accepting in a way that says you're free to, to uh, practice your religion? Or is it an endorsement of every single religion? That's a good point. Um, all right. So Sam's going to ask Christy, right? And maybe we've we've asked this. Uh, you know, we we've been asked this question before. Christy, isn't Christianity intolerant? When you say that Christianity is the only true faith, aren't you being intolerant of all the other faiths out there? Um, and and all people too. Um, I think, I think there's a distinction there. Um, and Christie says this, well, yes and no. Um, yes, Christianity is intolerant and no, it's not. Um, and here's the two-sided coin of that. Christianity does not place equal value on all religions, right? So here at Trinity Community Church, as Christians, as 
people who adhere to the Bible as those who follow Jesus Christ and him alone, we believe that it is only through Jesus Christ that we have salvation. We believe that the only way to live is to follow God's commandments, to trust in Christ for salvation. That is the only way. So in that sense, yes, we, we don't endorse, we don't accept any other religion as the truth. What the Bible teaches is the truth. That's what we believe. At the same time, Christianity does place equal value on all people. Now, this is where um, I want to draw this distinction. Christianity is not a faith meant for one specific kind of person. It's not a faith meant for a specific class of people, um, a race of people. Um, in Christianity, Paul says there's no Jew nor Greek. There's no male nor female. Female. There is. It's open to any and all people. So Christianity, while it may say that the only way to Christ, is, or the only way to God is through Christ, it also says that anyone who comes will get to the Father. Anyone who comes to Christ will get to, to the Father, no matter who they are. We place an equal value on all people because we recognize that all people are made in God's image, making them a special part of creation. Um, I want to keep moving. I know there's, pro there's probably a few questions here. I'm going to keep moving because we're, uh, we've got about 10 minutes left. Um, so Christy might say to Sam, um, Sam, isn't pluralism intolerant? Um, and here's, here's one interesting thing that to think about that popped up a little bit here and there. I think this is kind of what Brian was getting at. Um, James Anderson later says about pluralism, on closer examination, pluralism turns out to be just as exclusive and intolerant as many traditional religions, if not more so, simply because it cannot accommodate any religion that rejects its distinctive perspective on religion. If pluralism is right, other religions must be quite wrong. So much for live and let live. By excluding non-pluralist religions, pluralism exposes itself as just one more religious viewpoint in competition with all others. So what he's saying is pluralism itself is a viewpoint, and it's saying that um, the things you, the, the distinct perspective you have, that's not right. Um, it's not tolerant of those different of the different kinds of religions. It's saying this is the only way to believe. Um, so like we said, it can't accommodate any religion that rejects its distinctive perspective on religion. And if it's right, other religions must be quite wrong. So the point here, the tolerance of pluralism and of our culture collapses on itself. When you tell me, um, when, when, when we say that, when we say Christians, you say that the only way to God is through Jesus Christ. And this other religion says this, and they're both right. Um, it's saying we're the, we have the viewpoint that should be accepted by everyone, and that's um, that everything is equally true. Um, any questions? Any questions about that before we move on to the next point? Sorry, I know I'm speeding up. We got a hard stop at nine forty-five. Um, yeah. So some of these points are some of these points are taken right from the book. Some of these points are taken from other other resources. What's your worldview by James Anderson? is another one that I, that's kind of a choose your own adventure book. So it's going to ask you questions. Um, it's going to ask you, uh, do you believe in God? And if you say yes, you're going to go to one page. If you say no, you're going to go to another page. So James Anderson, What's Your Worldview is another, it's, it's really short too. It's really easy to read. I would say um, there's also a warm aspect. Some people recognize that and they embrace it. Mm -hmm. um, one thing I've come in contact with that is 
fairly new is I will not tolerate your intolerance. Yeah. And yeah. so they embrace that idea. Right, right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, which is out there. And w which, you know, kind of the point is like, just logically, it doesn't make sense. Um, but um, anyways, let's keep moving. I want We've got a few other really important points I want to hit. Um, okay. So Christie is recognizing there, there's a, a particular inconsistent, inconsistency when it comes to the tolerance. But it's not the only problem with pluralism. Anyone tell me what that is? That's exactly right. It's a square peg trying to go into a round hole. So what happens with pluralism um, is it takes different square pegs like religion and tries to pound them into the round hole that they have defined. I put that on. The hammer of pluralism attempts to fit the square pegs of religion into the round holes that it has defined. Pluralism says this is the way religion should be and we're going to fit them into the round hole no matter what. And you start to shave off distinctives of those religions. You start to neuter those religions in some way because of, you're trying to smack them into a particular worldview. That's the problem with that, with pluralism. Um, the other problem with it is when it says different faiths are equally true, that you run into some major compatibility problems, right? So we know that different religions teach diametrically opposed things. And so they can't they can't mutually exist as truth together. Um, so some examples of this. Uh, let's take a few different, um, uh, let's take uh, historic facts and how they differ among religions. Um, let's take something like the death and resurrection of Jesus. So what do we believe as Christians about the death and resurrection of Jesus? Jesus actually died, was in the grave for three days, and rose again. That's what we as Christians believe. That either happened or it didn't happen. Those are the only two options. Either it happened or it didn't happen. And that's a fact. We can debate about the, the, the truth of those facts, but, but it's, it's something where we're, um, the truth of those facts is not a good sentence to say. We can debate on whether or not it actually happened, but it either did happen or it didn't happen. But take something like Islam that would say Jesus was a good teacher, but he never died and he never rose again. Um, we are now at complete odds with each other there. And so it's really difficult to say that religions are equally true when they disagree on historical facts. They cannot be equally true then. There has to be disagreement among religions. Take something else like doctrinal differences. All right, so religions are propped up by doctrine, by teaching. The question, what happens after you die? Take Christianity's perspective about what happens after you die. Um, as a, let's say you are a believer, you are a follower of Christ, you trust in him for salvation, you will be with him eternally. Um, you, will, you will live with God in the new heaven and new earth forever. But what if you're a Hindu? If you're a Hindu, you most likely believe in reincarnation, right? So when you die, you come back into life as something else depending on how you lived in your last life. These two things can't happen at the same time, right? They're diametrically opposed to each other. So when it comes to destiny, the question of destiny, which is a major question of every single point of view, if, if destinies are completely different, they can't both be true, right? One is true, one is not true. 
Take something like monotheism, okay? So Christianity is a monotheistic religion. That means we worship one God. The Lord our God, he is one. We, we worship one God. Um, monotheism is exclusive and universal by nature. You're saying there is one God and he must be worshipped. But when you compare that to another religion that says there are many gods, worship all the, all the gods that you would like to do, they're diametrically opposed to each other. They're teaching different things. Christianity is about worshiping and loving one God. And it says not just, not just the followers of God should love him, but all peoples everywhere must subject themselves to God. This is, it's, a, it's an exclusive claim and it's a universal claim. All right, so if, if that's true, it's true for everyone. If it's not true, it's not true for everyone. This is what um, the author says about monotheism in the book. Claiming that monotheism fits within all religions are one approach is like claiming someone can be in two places at one time. It's possible, but only if you kill the person first and dismember the body. A very violent picture um, of what this looks like. Um, but uh, what she's saying is um, when it comes to monotheism and all religions are, are one, um, you have to really change what people believe about God in order for them to coexist with other, other kinds of faith um, is the point there. Um, I guess we change there. So arguing that the foundational elements of all religions are true and or similar is simply senseless. Um, it doesn't make sense. And the arguments, they don't, um, they, they don't fit together. Uh, like, imagine, you know, have you ever done puzzles? You know how some puzzle pieces have, like, the things that stick out on all four sides of them? Um, trying to fit all religions together or trying to do a puzzle with just those pieces, they just don't, they don't fit together, right? Um, you, you can't do it. You can't fit them all together. Um, it's like a square peg in a round hole. We have three minutes left, and I have seven slides left <laughs> so i'm gonna say i'm gonna have a speed round all right this is like the bonus round of uh family feud um so some might say you know what forget objective truth forget one ultimate reality there is no objective truth and we all bring our own truth to the table so what's true for you is true for you what's true for melvin is true for melvin what's true for me is true for me all right we're all going to bring our own truth to the table there's no overarching point of view to this I say, Sam, Sam, Sam. This is even more senseless because he's saying there is no objective truth, which in and of itself is an objective statement. It's an absolute statement. Sam says, you know what? Forget about it. There's no objective truth whatsoever. You just made a, uh, an all-encompassing objective claim. There is no truth whatsoever. How do we know that that's true if you're saying that? There's no such thing as objective truth. How would we know if what you're saying is even true. How many of you have ever been camping? All right, great. Um, this viewpoint is like, uh, maybe if you go out at night um, when you're camping and you see something in the woods, right? And you aren't quite sure what it is, but maybe it's a, you know, you, you look at it and you say, I think that might be like a fox. Um, and your friend's like, no, 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 that's just a tree stump. I don't know why a fox and a tree stump would look like each other, but um, and then another person says, oh, no, that's just an old cooler, something like that. Um, you all have different viewpoints. But in the morning when the sun comes up and you actually see what it is, you saw that it was just a branch. It's a branch no matter what, right? 
Um, just because you think it's a fox doesn't make it a fox. Whatever it is, that's what it is. If it's a branch, it's a branch. So we can't all bring our own um, truth claims to things. Um, and this is especially gets dicey when we start talking about ethical values. So if I say, you know, racism is wrong, that's true for me. When somebody says, well, racism is okay, that's true for me, we're like, no, 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 no. That doesn't make sense. Um, you can't just claim what's true, the, the, the whole what's true for me thing. Sorry, I know that was really quick because it's 945. Um, but I want to get to uh, one last thing here. Um, how can you say there's only one true faith? We're going we're gonna, to we're gonna get into lots of things about Christianity through this class. So this wasn't as much about Christianity by itself. Um, and some of the difficult questions there, but it's talking about the, the, the fact that you can say that there is one true faith. Um, ethical beliefs are coming from somewhere. The Bible teaches that all humans are made in God's image. Um, and so we're arguing that the universal, let's take something like racism. Um, our thoughts about racism being wrong, that comes from somewhere. And we ask the question, where does that come from? All people are made in the image of God. We all recognize this. Perhaps that perhaps God is real. Perhaps the Bible is true. And this seems to be the best answer for some of these questions. Any questions before we wrap up? I know that last bit was wild. Um, I do want to, I do want to wrap up. I want to respect everyone's time and get everyone out there. Um, any, any questions, uh, feel free to come up and we can, we can chat about it. Um, uh, I'd love to have conversations. Um, but let me pray real quick, and because I don't, I don't see any questions. Um, and yeah, let me pray real quick. God, we thank you so much for um, your grace. We thank you for this time we have to do some thinking about difficult questions. I pray, Lord, that you would help us to sharpen each other um, over the next six weeks. I pray that you would help things to make sense that didn't make sense this morning. Pray that we'd all have good conversations about this. Lord, we pray for the worship gathering that's about to happen. We're here because we love you, because we want to worship you. Um, so, Lord, I pray that that would happen in our worship gathering. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.